Patrimai Achloisoisgos, Podlediad Consortium Canobach the Day. And the Podlediad Hun, but the Hinklawed, a Trouble Day Third Duidara and Bob Math of Bethe Arisk. Hello and welcome to SCOS, the Central South Consortium podcast. In this podcast, we'll bring you the very latest discussions on all things education. Hello and welcome to our Foundation Phase podcast. This is an exciting opportunity to talk about developmental movement play, what it is and how you can develop it in the classroom. My name is Ruth Best and I am the Strategic Advisor for the Foundation Phase at CSC. Today I am joined by Penny Greenland, MBE, Director of Jabadeo, and Claire Davis, Foundation Phase Lead and Assistant Head Teacher from Cavartha Park Primary School in Merthyr. Thank you both for joining me today. Recently, we've been hearing such a lot about COVID affecting young children's learning, particularly reading and writing, but many practitioners have also noticed that children's physical development has also been affected, particularly with younger children. Can you tell us a little bit about developmental movement play penny as an approach and how it supports children's development? I'd be absolutely delighted to. Thanks, Ruth. Um, yes, we're hearing as well at Jabadeo. Um, we're hearing that, yes, children, um, their speech and language and communication has been affected um, through lockdown and the times of pandemic, but also their physical development for pretty obvious reasons, really. Children haven't had the same access to full-bodied, wholehearted physical activities they might have done without the pandemic. So developmental movement play um, is a very particular approach that we developed here at Jabadeo, um, starting ooh, way back in 1998, actually. We've been doing this a long time. Um, looking at the whole child and how they, if you like, move into their body. Now, when we're a tiny baby, um, we're born into a body that we don't know very much about. And there's that long process, um, many years process of discovering what it can do and how it feels and that's what developmental movement play is about how we move into our body and how that underpins absolutely everything we do in our lives and all the areas of learning so although it's about physical development it's also about social learning emotional learning about communication and language albeit nonverbal language um, now then there's some different things about we call it dmp for short uh, developmental movement plays a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? And there's some specific things about DMP. Um, it looks at the ways children actually move as opposed to what we want them to do. Um, it's not that those things are irrelevant at all, but it looks at children, what children actually do. You know, the wriggling and jiggling, the rolling on the floor, the not sitting still when you bring story time together, even though that's what you'd really like them to do. You've got two or three children who are constantly on the move. It looks at what children actually do and asks why. Why are they moving like this? Is it because they can't do any better? Is it because they're being a bit of a pickle this morning? Or actually is something going on that's really relevant to their development? So we go underneath the milestones, those things we all want our children to be able to achieve, and we look at the building blocks. How do we build those milestones? You might have a uh, this image in your mind, if you like. Um, tower of bricks, building, building bricks. Uh, and the milestones are some of those bricks up the tower. But there are many more. And the thing about bricks in a tower is each one supports the next one and is affected by the one underneath. 
And that's the, the way we look at physical development. All the tiny little pieces that build a really efficient body that can do all the fine motor and gross motor skills we want them to be able to do and feel right in their own skin. And that perhaps, Ruth, is the kind of biggest difference between DMP and other approaches. It looks at the motor control, but it also looks at um, how a body builds body awareness and that's sensory development. That's lovely. Thank you, Penny. I mean, one of the, the things that really stood out for me from the programme was understanding why children move like they do. Like you said, very often we're saying, get up off the floor, um, don't roll about over there. And then understanding that there is a need for them to actually do that. And Absolutely. Yes. I mean, we unpick. Maybe the starting point for the course is practitioners saying to us, why does my child do this? I've got this child in my classroom, in my nursery setting, who dot, dot, dot. Uh, and our job through the course is to say, ah, well, here's some theory about how um, physical development happens. Think about this. Maybe this is the reason why that child is doing it. And it's not being daft or silly or hmm, a pickle. Uh, it's uh, that little body is actually getting just what it needs. Uh, for their own unique developmental pathway and some of those things are traditionally things that we think of as being a bit purposeless the wriggling writhing jiggling uh, and we look again at those and go oh actually there's a really clear human purpose here um, so it's about reframing how we think how we look at children's bodies as they move yeah and, and the role of adults really changes doesn't it the way that we look at it and how we we observe what children are doing. Yes. I mean, traditionally, physical development courses give you lots of ideas of things to do. And those things to do will be activities that support milestone development, the things that we want children to achieve. We don't go there. We're taking a child led and play based approach, in fact. Um, and the adult role, therefore, is not to think up great activities or even um, simply to make the times to be outside on your lovely equipment. Um, it's observation, first and foremost, to notice more about what each body is telling you they need. Because our children speak to us moment by moment in their bodies, telling us what they need. And if we shut down some of that, thinking, oh, that's useful need, that's just purposeless, we miss some of the things their bodies are telling us. So the adult role is to observe, 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 understand more about why, and create environments in which children can create their own child-led movement play. Claire, you've been part of the CSC Developmental Movement Project this year. And how has it impacted your thinking and practice? Have, have you made changes? Well, firstly, um, the breadth and depth of learning I experienced from the programme um, has been both innovative and fascinating. Um, from the first session on the feeling of me to the final session, setting up a movement play area has completely revolutionised the way I observe the movement of children in my class and how I provide opportunities to support movement. Um, the first series of sessions of Feel of Me really opened my eyes um, and developed my understanding of the four core body senses, um, which I must say I was unaware of before the programme. Um, the specific terminology um, and the words were quite scary at first, um, vestibular sense, proprioceptive, interoceptive senses, um, but they were explained simply 
and with a range of visuals. Um, and there was also an opportunity then to go uh, back to school and observe these moments, movements. Again, as Penny said, I think the observation was a real key aspect of this programme. Um, the programmes helped me understand more about the way children move as they do, and it's also helped me develop new observation skills that focus on the movement and deepen my everyday understanding of the observations. Um, for example, there are sections of the programme with downloadable resources and they are really useful. Um, the one that I found particularly useful was the observation structure where um, you have a body scan um, and it, it deepens the way that you look at that observation and movement. So you can scan the body from feet to head and see what you notice. Um, and you look at the whole body, the feet, the legs, the hip. Um, and as Penny just said, you know, what are our children telling us um, and what can we do to support them? Claire, you beauty, you're obviously doing fabulous observations. <laughs> yes, that body scan so simple once you once you oh yeah, I can I can look in more detail at a body. That sounds fantastic. It was it was revolutionary. It was so simple and it was just a little downloadable um, piece on the programme. But just reading that really did make me think again about what I was actually looking at and how I could support the children. Um, the thing about movement is well moves all the time yeah. so it's really hard to see so you need some very clear structures do you know a practitioner said to me recently from one of the courses we've done um i don't think i've ever ob really observed children's movement before you know we look out for pencil grip or can they hop or whatever but actually observing a body and seeing what it tells us is so much broader a thing to do yeah and we need simple structures to help us. An observation does fit in so nicely with foundation phase pedagogy and ethos and the, the ethos of the curriculum for Wales, just observing and, and gaining knowledge about the child through your observation so that you can put things in place to support them. Absolutely. I, I often feel when I'm teaching observation to early years practitioners, I'm teaching my grandmothers to suck eggs because <laughs> you do it all the time. But there are some little tweaks that mean that we can observe movement more fully. I think Penny as well is valuing movements more. Um, for example, I have, a, I have a group of quite boisterous boys in my nursery class. Um, the movement behaviour of these boys looked, was looked upon as inappropriate, disruptive sometimes. Um, and I think I needed to look at it in a different way and provide a safe opportunity for them to engage in jumping, climbing, leaping, what their bodies were telling them um, so that those boys were able to, to develop their vestibular systems, their balance mechanisms um, and also to self-regulate sometimes their behaviour. Um, so I think that led me then to, to, to de develop in the um, DMP area in the classroom. I think self-regulation is a huge part. Yes, this is about physical development, but we're all so interested in self-regulation and how we support children who find that difficult to do so. And I think that small children first and foremost regulate, self-regulate in their bodies first, mm. and then that moves on to 
other cognitive strategies and it's not always the way we look at it so that's a big part of this program yeah is to look at how we human beings how we little human beings self-regulate and that social interaction as well um penny i think that's something i've noticed um children interacting together in the movement area mirroring each other sometimes um you know that that was something that i that i noticed um it's the theme that's coming back most strongly from you and all your colleagues um, when we have check-ins on this programme. We do courses and well, you do courses online and then we, we check in together. Um, lots of people are saying, and that brings us back to your um, first thought, Ruth, about COVID, um, that many of our children are actually, they've been in such a very particular social situation with their parents at home or just not seeing as many adults or seeing masked adults. Um, that there's a lot of catch up time or simply time needed to get the very basics of social interaction, looking at somebody's face, noticing what they might be giving off. Um, some of our small children just don't know how to make friends. And yet in the movement play area, in movement play, that's where people are telling me they are beginning. Um, and so the social and emotional side of movement play is every bit as powerful as the physical development side. And that's that's something else that's, you know, at the forefront at the moment is children's well-being. So looking at children's well-being and, you know, how how, how can developmental movement play play a role in that? Well, it fascinates me that uh, most curriculums, most early years curriculums around physical development um, have a set of goals and they're to do with the milestones and they're to do with motor control. But actually, coming right back to basics, if you don't feel right in your own skin, nothing goes well. If you don't feel right in your own body, that you belong in there, that you understand it moment by moment, it's very difficult to access other areas of learning. And that's a huge part of well-being, feeling right in your own skin. So in the DMP approach, yes, we look at motor control, but perhaps more than anything, we look at whether children feel right in their body and how that supports everything else they do. And I love the fact that the Welsh curriculum has that well-being strand. Uh, so so much knitted into everything else it's it's fabulous you're absolutely right penny i think there are so many ways in which dmp can support curriculum for wales um you only have to look at our four purposes um and primarily to develop healthy confident individuals who take part in physical activity but it's that confidence to participate as well in performance um form positive relationships based upon trust mutual respect which is something i witness myself in in the movement area um, have the skills and knowledge to manage everyday life as independently as they can and as you said i think you know to feel confident in their own body in their own skin something which really hit home to me was when you talked about the infant expert uh, and that sort of stayed with me um, and something that you know that that whenever i look at the children now i think yeah you know what do they need what does that child actually need Infant experts, the core of the approach that uh, the theory shows us, and we do look a little at that in the programme. Um, the theory shows us that we human beings are hardwired to get what we need for sound development. 
and therefore our little children are actually on the lookout all the time. So when they're wriggling, jiggling, climbing, running, when you say walk, all those things that are challenging, there's something positive going on here. So if we reframe the way we look, we can reframe the way we support them and then our children can thrive in a wholly new way. Claire, have you noticed any difference with the children since you've set up that developmental movement play area? Oh, absolutely. I think um, confidence is one of them, Ruth, and um, letting those children um, play freely but safely in that area. Um, something I noticed first was, though, um, and Penny, if I have had discussions about this, um, was observing some children and they were taking turns one at a time <laughs> um, and, and going into the, the movement area and one child would go in and do some sort of melting play in the area and the other children would observe him and he would starfish and then he'd come out and another child would go in and copy and do exactly the same thing um, and Penny said something to me about you know have you been into the area and, and I, I thought oh it's like a forbidden area and I mustn't go in this area but going into the area and actually um, playing alongside the children or letting the children invite me into their play was actually very powerful for me as well. And, and also in getting to know the children. Yeah, I should say um, a movement play area is a very specific piece of developmental movement play approach. Um, it's a small don't panic. I know that your your settings are all completely stuffed and finding another space is very hard. It's a small indoor space with a clear floor uh, that's really inviting and magnificent. Um, and it's a space that values children's movement play, the movement play they find for themselves. So no adult suggestions or activities. There might be some resources close by, but even those are an absolute minimum. So it's a space where children find how they want to be in their body. And if that sounds like a, well, how on earth will they know? They know. And that's something else that practitioners have said over and over. My goodness, how quickly children just know what a clear space is for, what a movement play area is for, for movement play for their body. Um, and there, that's where the deepest learning happens. And in the programme, there's an online course all about how to set one up um, so that our children have a completely other way of learning somewhere in the setting. It's different from outdoor play, uh, physical outdoor play. It's different from all the lovely physical activities that you organise, lead or the children ask for. It's somewhere where children can simply be in their body how they want to. And your children like many children actually, often find something completely surprising to us mm -hmm. and they often copy each other. Um, we all do that, don't we? Um, when we go to a new activity, we copy everybody else there for a bit until we're sure of ourselves. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's a very special area in which special things happen. And we've run the Jabberdale project this year with two cohorts of schools. Penny, can you just explain a little bit about how it works? Yeah, um, it's a funny old thing, but we've put a bodywork course, a movement course online for very obvious reasons. And, you know, it's working really well. Um, there are four online courses which cover specific areas of physical development practice. The first one that Claire's mentioned already, uh, the feeling of me is all about sensory learning. 
and the core uh, body sensors that give us access to our body awareness, our feeling of me. Then there's one on floor play. Um, and that's as it sounds. It's the earliest movement that we do as babies, but it's the movement our bodies really want and long to return to all the way through our childhood and actually into adulthood as well. Um, the movement that happens down on the floor. Um, then there's a, a course on halfway play and upright play. And that one, the halfway play, it's that bit that's so easy to miss, neither down on the floor nor fully upright. There's loads of little movement mm, patterns, if you like, that children do that build a strong and connected body that it's really easy to miss. Uh, upright play, obvious. Uh, and the learning in that bit, big time, is whilst you're watching children move upright, can you see if any little foundations are missing? And if you can, what are you going to do to go back down and build that tower of bricks beautifully, uh, strongly? And then the last course that I've mentioned already is the movement play area, how to set up a movement play area in which the most purposeful and deepest learning in children's bodies can happen. Now, between those courses, we have check-ins, Zoom check-ins, live Zoom chats, where practitioners who've done a course and have got, ooh, a lot of ideas about wh where this might fit within their own pedagogy can come back and say, yeah, but what if? But this is really difficult. Or I've got this child who, and we chat them through together, and amazing learning happens as we share those things amongst us. And as you said, you, you, you've put it online, and it, it does seem a little bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? Sitting at a screen to learn about physical development. But how did you find it, Claire, doing physical development programme online? As Perry just said, surprisingly, the programme was extremely effective online um, for quite a few reasons, actually. The asynchronous resources were um, of such a high standard. Um, there was lots of content, new ideas, new vocabulary, and the online materials meant that I was able to revisit the training, view it again and reflect. Um, so I could do that in my own time. Um, and the downloadable resources were very helpful. helpful as I mentioned earlier on with the observation um, check sheet that I had. Um, the check-in sessions with Penny were a fantastic opportunity to discuss the online content and any observations undertaken in school. But I think one of the most powerful things was that there was an opportunity to share with colleagues and discuss good practice um, and ideas for development. Um, and the other thing um, I found refreshing was the non-threatening way that the online medium gave, especially to those, myself included, who may not be that confident in physical development themselves, but there were opportunities to go away from the Zoom, to go away from Teams and go back to the body section and try out the movements yourself. That's a hard thing to do sometimes, isn't it? Because they're funny little movements and you might, you know, in a big room, I know people feel self-conscious. That's because we come from a culture in which we are almost taught to be self-conscious about our movement. So yes, sneaking away to the foot of your bed and rolling around a bit, <laughs> much easier. I know that uh, a majority of those that, that took part in the programme really found it useful to be able to revisit the videos. Like you said, Claire, they can go back. You can reflect on what you've seen, try it out, have a go. And then if you're not sure, you can always go back again and have another look. And what they said about the Zoom check-ins was that 
um, because we'd kept the groups quite small, it gave everybody an opportunity to share. Everybody had a, an opportunity to ask those questions or share something they'd done. And you were able to respond to everyone, Penny, and, and support them in, in that way. So they found that really useful. Well, listen, what they brought was completely fantastic. Um, and this this material completely comes back to the wriggly jiggly thing your little boy does or your little girl does and that when we really get to the heart of that that's when we do our deepest learning as practitioners it's it's run really well this year and i know that practitioners have found it really beneficial so we're hoping to run this program again in the next financial year and who who would find this program interesting and useful penny who, who's it aimed at mainly you know, we ask practitioners that question when we do evaluation. And what fascinates me is that most people say everyone, everyone <laughs> who works with early years practitioners. Um, and I think that's true. I actually think I think the answer is probably human beings, actually, because it's also fascinating um, to reflect on ourselves <clears throat> at some level. But everybody who comes is thinking about the children in their setting. So that's uh, whether they're a childminder or a nursery practitioner or a um, a playgroup leader or a, a teacher in school. Um, I guarantee you that everybody, as well as thinking about their children in their setting, is also thinking about their own children, neighbours' children, nieces, nephews, you know. And actually, all of us think about ourselves a little as well. So it's really human material, actually, which is why I'm so passionate about it. And the practitioners who did the programme this year are currently doing research projects and we're hoping to share those because they've had some really exciting ideas, haven't they, that they've brought back to the table. Um, but look, watch this space because I'm hoping they're going to be able to share it on, on another podcast in the future. But Penny, for those who are listening who are interested but may not be able to commit to doing the programme in full, is there anything that people can try? Well, I'm going to say because this is a child led and play based approach, I know that at this point I should really say, oh, here's a good game. Here's three good games. And I know we'd all love that, but it doesn't quite work like that, because if I give you three games, you'll run out or get bored with them or whatever. But your children have three thousand six hundred and sixty squillion games they will play on a different day that are just spot on for their development. So I'm going to say. Uh, get more curious about what your children are actually doing. I think we have a canny ability to filter out some of the ways that children move because they don't fit what we think we're heading for. And I'm just going to say, get curious about those ways that children do actually move. And um, yeah, open up your eyes more. And if you then want to know well why and what do I do about it then let's hope we've got another program going through because we can answer those <laughs> questions together just get more curious um, look round corners uh, really notice how children are moving moment by moment day on day especially the ones who you find most challenging and then you'll have your own great set of questions as to why what, what use is this thank you Penny well that's all we have time for today. Um, a big thank you to Penny and Claire for joining me. Ooh, and thank, thank you too for joining us. Thank you. Um, we hope we have whetted your appetite to explore developmental movement play in more detail. Um, but for now, it's goodbye. Diolch am rando ar y benod hon o sgwrs. 
Cobio Hindilin at Twitter and Facebook, Tanis Grinio in Channel YouTube, Amino and Kamenede are in Guevan, Adarten and Bulletin Escolion of Nosol, Amanu with the Ondu in Arab. Thanks for listening to this episode of Scurs. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, join our online communities via our website, and read our weekly school bulletin for the latest news. Hoyla Matro. Bye for now.